everybody. Welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week is my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. Um, I've been doing a lot of like weird side gaming this week, so oh, yeah? what I'm going to see doing? what Ann's up to first. No, no, no. You go oh. first, and then we'll talk about my stuff. Um, My stuff, I haven't really been uh, up to like too much side gaming or anything. Obviously, I'm still sticking with Pokemon Go right now and going out and playing that a lot. They're doing a lot of in-game stuff. Like, they've actually got... Team Rocket has taken over Pokestops around town. So there are certain Pokestops where if you spin them, a Team Rocket person will come out and like try and beat you and you have to beat them and then you have to catch the shadow Pokemon that they've been corrupting and then you can either keep it shadow or you can purify it and if you purify it it gets to be really really good like it makes it way better and it bumps up the level and everything long story short I have a uh, demonic shadow Magikarp in my collection and I think it's just going to stay shadow forever because I think it's really cool um Beyond that, let's see. Animal Crossing is still a thing. Like, Pocket Camp is still a thing. Um, World of Warcraft is still a thing, obviously. Still working on flying. I should probably be more dedicated with that than I am. But I'm hoping that maybe I'll have it by next week. I'm hoping. Um, Plus, I would really like the new mount that came out. And I know we're going to talk about that with the news. I don't think anything else has, like, caught my eye lately. Uh, except for there was a game that was being reviewed and I wanted to check it out and I can't remember what it was called. I saw a review on Polygon. I think it's called Kind Words and it's this weird little game that's on Humble Bundle right now. I think like that's the only place that it's available. Um, and I was looking at the review for it and it's this weird little game where you log on and you have like your little room and you write something on the desk and you send it out there and then people can send replies to you. And everybody has been using this as kind of like a support network sort of thing, like an anonymous support network. And I'm like, that sounds really cool. Like that sounds really, really cool. It's, I, I don't have the money to throw at the Humble Bundle at the moment. But I think it's coming to Steam in September, and I want to pick that up because I'm like, that's just kind of a cool concept. You know what I mean? Uh, the yeah. the the interview or the the review for it is over on Polygon. I think it was um, I want to say it was Patricia Hernandez that reviewed it. It looks really interesting. Anyway, what have you been doing, Rossi? Well, um, first off, I have been doing a lot of pen and paper stuff, like coming up with stuff for the D&D game we're going to be playing, so you won't hear about that. Uh, I got Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I've been reading that, thinking, ooh, this is cool, there's stuff here I'm going to steal. Um, since I, I really can't justify trying to get an entire group to switch to a game just because I like it, it's one of those things where you kind of have to go with what everyone's down to play. But I I do like that a lot. I think my, my well, review, if can, I write one... You can kind of adapt whatever you want into yeah, whichever. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of freeform that way. If I if I did write a review of it, my review would be like a 9 out of 10 positive type thing. Um, maybe I will, because we do have that here at the site now. But I also, when I was messing around on my Xbox, playing the Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is the game I've been playing continuously since it came out. So we're not going to talk about it. But yeah, that's still a game I play constantly. Um I noticed that Torchlight, the original Torchlight, is now free on Xbox Live. Oh, really? Live. Yeah. Huh. So I went and got it again and started playing it again. And my wife was sitting there with me. My wife is like an old school Blizzard gamer, way more old school than even I am. She played like Diablo and Starcraft and Diablo 2 back on PC when they came out. Okay, uh, but so, I mean, so, I played Lost Vikings, so that says yeah. something. Anyway, go ahead. And when, when I started playing Torchlight, the first thing she said was, wow, that sounds like Diablo. And then, of yeah. course, as, as we continued on, it didn't just sound like Diablo. It plays very much like Diablo. It is a Diablo clone. And it's a good Diablo clone. I was having a great deal of fun playing it. I've played it before, but it had been a while. <clears throat> so now it's free, so I've been playing it. Um, one of the things that really hit, though, when we were like when we were kind of having our back-and-forth discussion, because we play a lot of Diablo 3, is Torchlight is an extremely cartoony game. Very much so. There's, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's certainly not bad. But it made us think, why don't we have more Diablo clones that take it in weird places like this? Most Diablo clones are basically just, hey, it's not Diablo, but if you squint. Whereas Torchlight straight up says, like, it's not Diablo, but it's, you know, if you like that kind of gameplay, we've got it. But yeah, it's it's cartoony and 
distinctive looking. And it's like, why I was going to say, are that? you talking about like a Diablo clone, a Diablo clone, but it's all, it all looks like whimsy Shire. That could, that would not actually be that bad an idea, quite no. frankly. Um, but uh, like, imagine a Diablo clone that, you know, played like a Diablo game, but did it in like a modern shopping mall. And you were like, you know, instead of murdering demons, you were... I don't think that I would were, like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Instead of murdering demons, you would... You were like, you know, just getting loot through other mechanisms. You're like, you know, breaking open stuff. There's lots of stuff you could do with the basic easy concept of the, the loot crawl. And it's funny that the games that have mostly imported that are shooters. Like Destiny and Destiny 2, when you take away the fact that it's mostly a, a, a like a first person is shooter, it's a Diablo clone. You just it's hard to notice that right away because it, they did take it to the shooter direction, but it's still basically just you know waves of loot, constantly you know killing stuff for more loot, running dungeons for more loot. It's like it is basically a Diablo clone. And I think what this I've boils down to is that there is something fun and that never gets old about a game where you buzzsaw through something and get a bunch of stuff for doing it. And yeah. it doesn't have to be I'm stepping on a bunch of demons. It could be I'm washing a bunch of kittens. <laughs> and when I'm done, I get all kinds of, you know, it, yeah. it's that it's that whole concept of big graphics, big things happening, and then big explosion of rewards. And it just makes you feel good. I don't know. I think, I think Torchlight does a really good job of essentially working with the formula, but making it distinct on its own. Um, and you could do a lot of different stuff with it. And I, I really do feel like it's unfortunate. A lot of times you get like a Path of Exile game, which is not a bad game. I'm not bagging on Path of Exile. If you're a Path of Exile fan, I agree with you. It's a really good game, but it doesn't really depart. It doesn't go very far away from this. Like, I, I do feel like the JRPG has lessons here for the action RPG type. Yeah. And it's really weird. It's weird because it, originally Zelda, the Zelda games were considered action RPGs. That's what they were called until Diablo came out. And then Diablo so changed the genre that people started calling them action adventure games because people couldn't, couldn't grasp anymore that there was a different way to go with action RPG. It had to be a different kind of game because Diablo is the purest distillation of the action RPG formula in people's minds. And I'm fine with that, but I feel like they should then go look at what Zelda did and what other games have done with what Zelda brought. And see how you Zelda can, has you can... definitely evolved from the first game to Breath of the Wild. It's a completely yeah. different experience now. In each game that they put out, they've evolved them in a different direction. And it's it's just one of those things that I think about. And I don't really have a lot to say in terms of what they should do. Although, bloody heck, someday somebody is going to make me that King Arthur game that I want. It'll happen someday. It is, they've, they've teased me. They've almost done it a few times, but it, it never works out. Someday I'm going to get that King Arthur game that I want them to make that is essentially something along the lines of, I'm just going to say it, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but in King Arthur's court where you play a knight. <laughs> you know, that would be amazing and I would love it. But anyway, I also have been doing, um, I've been playing my low-level characters in WoW. I haven't been I haven't been touching the, the, the max game. And that's because I'm so anxious about what patch 8.2.5 and patch 8.3 are going to be that I just want to have a lot of options at this point. I just want to have a lot of characters so I can feel like, okay, I can pick this one to be my main in the next expansion. Cause I, I felt going into this expansion, like they were really rough on night elves and they need a break from all the gloom on the night elf side. So yeah, I haven't really been getting my, my flying mount. I've been, I've been getting ready for Diablo cause this, in the next season's coming up this month. So yeah, looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. But that's basically it for me for gaming. So uh, I guess at this point we will do that thing where we talk about them, their top stories. Yeah, we probably should. That means actually getting the email open. <laughs> da, 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 da. There it is. All right. We, we had some stuff happen since we had a delay. Uh, that is so one thing that did happen is they announced the official, you know, date for getting your name saved for WoW Classic. It's going to be August 12th. Um, so if you're one of those people who wants to make sure you get your name locked in before WoW Classic goes, you that's you know it's at this point I'm speaking on the ninth, so that's ten. That's next Monday, as as this is being recorded. If you're listening to it live, it's next Monday. If you're listening to the RSS feed, which Ann is going to be putting up today, 
it'll be either next Monday or at some point close to it. It's going to be um, on the 12th, guys. Just the 12th. Look at your calendar. Mark your calendar. Because the thing is, is um, if you don't get your name, you're not going to get your name. <laughs> yeah, it's that simple. This, this, is the, this, is, this is just that simple. If you want to make sure you get your name, you better be ready on the 12th to lock it in. Otherwise, you might end up, you know, one of those things with seven Z's in it. Uh, by the way, man, Drizzit with six Z's isn't clever. Yeah. We've seen it. I remember it. that. Like on day one, there were so many of them running around. Night Elf Hunters mostly. Yeah, or Legolas with a Z. Yeah. Also, by the way, guys, just so you know, if you're, if you're like looking forward to playing WoW Classic, if you want to play an elf, there's one variety. I know that's weird. You're saying, but what are you talking about? There's like four different kinds of elves I can play. Nope, just one. If you want to play an elf, you have to be Alliance, and you only get to play Night Elves. That's it. All the elves you're going to get. Just remember this. It's very also important. note that there are a limited number of servers out there, and they are PvP, they are PvE, and they are RP. And I think there's one RP, PPV... I can't yes, talk one... today. There's one role-playing server that is a PvP role-playing server, and there's one role-playing server that is just a role-playing PvE server. Um... I think that they're going with limited servers right now. I think that's actually like a good idea. They're starting small just to make sure that, you know, I, I think if they get overwhelmed, they will probably slap more servers on there as time goes on. But I, I think they're guys, probably good with keeping it small for right now. You know what I mean? If you, if you want to recreate the panicked sense that Blizzard had as they had to desperately start more servers, this is entirely on you to make this happen. If you want to do that, you can. But right now, just a few servers. But we should also talk, um, one of the things that Blizzard's doing that's really cool is they've set up forums for people who played back in vanilla or who played with people back in vanilla to try and reconnect with their, their old friends from back then so you can play with them again if that's what you want to do. So I think that's pretty neat. I mean, there was another site that was already doing it. Um, what was it? It was like vanillafriends.com or something like that. Yeah, where they were trying to bring case. people together. But I like the fact that Blizzard is actually like dedicating a portion of the forum solely to this purpose. Because there are people that are going to go into Classic that played back in vanilla. And yeah, they want to play with the same people. They want to see what those friends that they may or may not have you know kept in touch with over the years. Maybe they want to go back and play with them again. I'm in a weird position where I actually do know a lot of the people I played with back then still. We don't play the game together anymore but we do still talk occasionally uh talk to them on twitter or just you know through emails a few of them are even real id friends so i i actually am relatively well connected but i don't think i'm going to be doing a lot of wild classic because playing the beta really felt like i felt like mm, i didn't even know i still like the way this tasted but now i do and now that i've eaten this much of it i know i don't want any more so i uh i don't yeah i haven't kept up with anybody from vanilla because like my old raid guild from vanilla it broke up mid aq40 and then um the group it was a group that originally was a guild back in everquest like back in the day like a pretty big guild on everquest back in the day and then when world of warcraft came out they they decided to jump over to world of warcraft and i started raiding with them and EverQuest 2 came out and when EverQuest 2 came out they decided they wanted to ditch the game and go to that because they missed EverQuest and then I never heard from any of them again so yeah I don't I don't know what happened to any of them including the narcoleptic guild leader he was great he'd be typing out instructions for a boss and then he'd just stop typing and everybody go oops he fell asleep again because he'd just do that he'd just randomly fall asleep yeah, I don't know what happened I, to that guy? <laughs> I don't. I don't know why, but I think it's because for a long time I had a kind of like really strong guild loyalty thing that I only broke around the time Wrath ended. Like I just used to like try really hard. Like every time I get in a guild, I'd try really hard to be like really dependable and really be there. And yeah. after a while, I realized you can't live your life for a bunch of people you play a game with. You kind of have to live your life for you. And if that means going to a different server or being in a different guild or ending up, you know, different faction, even. That's what happens. So, and this is the guy who married somebody that he met in the game. <laughs> it's true. Well, no, we I didn't meet her in the game. We just used the game to stay in touch. Oh, okay. I thought you guys she was, met because you played together. No, no, we did play together. We played quite a lot, but no, we we actually met before. Um, it was actually because of blogs of all things. We both had blogs that we read, Aww. so that's how we met. But 
um, we, we did like when when she came down, when she came down here to stay with me for a while, and she had to go back to Canada. And for like nine months, we couldn't see each other. And that's right around the time World of Warcraft was coming out. And she was in the beta, so she was like, you know, seriously, like play this. You can get it on your computer. I have it on my computer. And then if nothing else, we can we can hang out. And so I tried a little bit on her account just to test it. Liked it fine. Uh, ended up playing for a bit. And then that's pretty much my our relationship and the story of World of Warcraft gets stuck together pretty good right about then. That's, Aww. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, I remember... I don't remember how we got on the topic of getting married. I know it was during Baron Geddon. Like, I think she brought it up. I was like, you know, I don't know. I like things the way they are. We started tanking Baron Geddon. And then halfway through Baron Geddon, I literally just stopped and let my character and got up and walked over into the room. She had her computer. In, and I was like, why don't we get married? You're right. We should get married. So as the guild was desperately trying to keep me alive, why? What happened? Why isn't he doing anything? I was proposing to my wife. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's how that went. So, yeah. Did you beat Did you beat Geddon? <laughs> oh yeah, we had Geddon in farm at this point. Oh okay. I I knew at that point I wasn't gonna lose him. What did the like, guild say? Uh, there were some congratulations and some. Couldn't you wait until after? And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> if we wipe, we wipe. Who cares? This was when Molten Core was on farm and we were only doing it for a couple of people. This was back when uh, I'm pretty sure that the the new hotness at that point was Zulgarub twenty and AQ twenty. Like I think that's where we were in progression. Okay. So we'd we'd, we'd finished Blackwing Lair at that point. Regardless, speaking of all of these vanilla stories and everything, if you want to reconnect, maybe hopefully reconnect with people that you played with in vanilla, if you played in vanilla, go check out the forums because there's a section there. And if you want a particular name, make sure you jump on that on the 12th because they will go like that and you'll never see them again. Yeah, it's from from experience, trust me, I think my first name... I I it was like a portmanteau of four other names I had tried to pick. It was really bad. So yeah. But speaking of the fact that it's been 15 years since WoW started, um, and we're all aging, uh, since it is turning 15 this year, we're gonna have the anniversary event in November, and it's on the PTR to a degree. It's in the files for patch 8.2.5. We don't know. Like obviously 8.2.5 will drop probably before November. We're, we're pretty sure about that and when it does the anniversary event will be in the in the file and then it will it will go live in november when the actual anniversary happens there's a lot of stuff going on for it um there's special mounts for the anniversary edition there's a collector's edition for the anniversary as well like a hard like a box set much like the original wow you know box you can buy there's the, the two alabaster mounts, I want to say. The alabaster stone talon and the there's alabaster an, thunderwing. Yeah, there's an alabaster griffin and an alabaster wyvern. And those are actually from, I want to say they're from the the special collector's edition that's coming out. So they had pre-orders for that already. And I think it sold out like that. And right now you can actually get them on the Blizzard store. Like they, they went ahead and released them on the Blizzard store or the Battle.net store, Blizzard store. What do they call it now? I don't know. The shop that's on the launcher. If you click shop on the launcher, you'll see the mounts there and you can purchase them. Uh, they're available as a duo for $25, which I think is pretty cool, pretty reasonable about what any of the mounts go for. Um, I think they're beautiful models. Uh, they actually look like weathered and cracked stone and everything. And they're really cool looking. There are people who are, like, upset about this. There are always people upset about mounts in the store at this point. And then, you know what, guys? Seriously, I'm just going to say it. Then don't buy them. Like, w- really, why does it drive you crazy every time Blizzard puts a mount on the, on that store? I-, I heard a friend of mine point, pointed out, like, you know, Blizzard puts stuff on the store for you to buy. Everyone goes mad. Um, you know, Square Enix puts stuff on the Final Fantasy store. Everybody loves them. It's the same thing. Why are you so upset? Well, I think that part of the reason people are upset right now is because there are people out there that pre-ordered the collector's edition and they're not going to be able to get their stone mounts until they get the collector's edition. So they're kind of upset that other people are going to get the digital like beforehand. Um, okay, I'm sorry, guys. And that get I the get. Full collector's edition. I, I don't really agree with it. Well, you're no, get I get it because they edition. don't. Yeah, but I get it because it's like, why are you giving other people access to these things before we can actually use them when we forked out all the money for the collector's edition? That I get. Um, and I wish that 
Blizzard had come up with some way for these people to like actually get the mounts when everybody else gets the mounts for forking over the money for it or whatever. Even if it was just okay, if you like pay $25 right now to get the mount off of the store so you can have it right now, we'll go ahead and deduct that from the cost of your collector's edition or whatever. Yeah, okay. I can get behind that. that yeah. As far and as they've done stuff like that before. Yeah. As far as the mounts themselves being available in the store, I mean, yes they're in the store it's pretty cool why would you be upset about that the only other way to get a hold of them was through a collector's edition that sold out like lightning you know what i mean oh they did yeah according to DeGunther in the chat channel he says they did say that they were doing that they're gonna go so they're gonna go ahead and credit people if they okay if they're gonna do that i'm okay with that um but i do understand why people were upset though because you know you fork out the money and it was a substantial chunk of change for this collector's edition and before you can even get it in your hands people are using the mounts from it you know what i mean i i i get the upset for that but i don't get the upset for this being in the pet store like the blizzard shop at all because well if you couldn't get your hands on that collector's edition here's a way to get the mount at least you know what i mean yeah, well, for me, I will say this much. For me, the mount worth talking about for the Universe event isn't even the Alabaster mounts, which are yeah. nice. I think they're cool. For me, the mount worth talking about is the Obsidian Worldbreaker. Oh, yes. Because um, the anniversary event, one of the things it's going to have is like a special anniversary raid, which features nine bosses from three different expansions, uh, Burning Crusade, Wrath of Lich King, and Cataclysm. Um, there's three from BC, which is Kael'thas, Lady Vosh, and Archimonde. So three of the biggest pains in the butt of, of, you know, the burning crusade. Um, not the biggest, cause man, I'm, I'll still say this to, to the end of my life. Um, Muru, not, it wasn't Muru. Uh, I think it was Muru. Muru was just, just a nightmare. He was from burning he was, crusade. Yeah. Yeah. He was the guild killer, that guy, but those three from burning crusade, Hygen, the unclean, Anubarak and the Lich King from, from wrath of the Lich King. Is Hygen the dancing one? Yep. Oh boy. <laughs> Fun and fun. finally, finally, um, the last one, the Cataclysm bosses are Cho'Gal, Nefarian, and Ragnaros, which I kind of get why you're not doing Deathwing, because Deathwing had two fights, and you don't want to have to do both of them, but doing only one of them and not the other would just feel weird. So yeah, but people don't realize, like, I don't know how they're going to balance Nef or, or Ragnaros. Nef, especially on, on like, the harder difficulties, because Mythic didn't exist then, but... On the higher difficulties, Nefarian was a pain in the just just such a oh my god you trying don't know. to get on those stupid pillars before the lava got you was a unique task because Matt, tank, Matt, tank these seventeen skeletons he's just going to spawn constantly. Ah! As like, somebody who played a rogue, it was my duty, my assignment anyway, to get on that pillar and to kick the ads that spawned so that they wouldn't cast their thing and wipe the raid, right? Which is fine. Mm -hmm. I was perfectly okay with doing that because I had a magic button that would teleport me to whoever happened to be standing on the pillar already, right? No big deal. If I couldn't get there, I had a button I could hit. We had other people who, I I don't know if it was just a keyboard issue, I don't know what it was, but it was like they could not seem to get up on that pillar before the lava killed them or before the ad did its thing and it was just immensely frustrating that's what i remember from nefarian it was was not fun guys that fight was not fun oh my god so yeah i'm i'm i don't know what difficulty they're going to be on um the the molten core raid for the 10th anniversary was was an lfr thing we don't know. This is listed as time walking. They're listed as so time walking, which kind of implies yeah. that it's going to be like a pre-made group. But yeah, we don't know how this is going to go. But so, yeah, there's that. That's that's happening. If you successfully complete it, if you kill all nine bosses, um, you get the Obsidian Worldbreaker, which is essentially like, do you remember the Nixia mount from a few years back? That was like a dragon mount that looked like a Nixia. I have this her. Is, yes. Yeah. This is one that will does the same thing. But it looks like death, and I'm sorry. It's I I I love this mount. I'm looking at it right now and thinking, finally they made a mount I'm actually eager complete, about getting. Complete with the chin. Yeah, it's got everything. the big metal chin. It's got the cracks going and the lava showing. It looks it's great. Like, 
I'm going to be upfront here. One of my biggest dreams at the end of at the either the end of this expansion or the end of the next one is that a the aspects will come back in some form. They will have some version of the aspects, and b that Deathwing comes back because there are some bosses like Illidan who who didn't get their due at the time and they kind of got shafted. And I feel like Deathwing is one of the ones who just so much potential and it didn't really get used. It didn't really get realized. It didn't get used in game. The side material that came out, like the novels and the short stories and everything that came out, it, it fleshed him out a little bit. But as far as in game was concerned, you saw him at a few key moments while you were leveling. Yeah, but he was a kaiju. Yeah, you saw him at a few Mm. key moments while you were leveling. And every now and again, if you are out leveling in the world, sometimes he'd do the whole flyby torch the zone thing, which was kind of funny. Um, Beyond that, though, you didn't really see him all that much. And I think that wasn't necessarily Deathwing getting a bad treatment or anything, so much as it was the story of Cataclysm felt a little disjointed. It it was, if you stepped back and took a look at the whole picture, you kind of got what was going on. But I don't think that it was written in a way where people that weren't focusing on the story could easily understand. I really feel like the past two expansions have shown that whether or not you're super charged up about where the story is right now, that their storytelling chops have gotten much stronger. And I'd love to see what this team would do with the dragon aspects and Deathwing. I'd love to see, especially when they're, they're, they're bringing in the Rathion threads so organically and so well-timed. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing that kind of thing. Whatever they end up doing, even if Deathwing's not there, even if it's just like they, they use the dragons again, I want to see where they go with it. Yeah, DeGunther just posted in the chat channel. This is from the official post on the mounts. Mount not available in World of Warcraft Classic, which we knew that. It's flying mount. Uh, It says, players who purchase these mounts this way and also attach a 15th anniversary collector's edition to their World of Warcraft account by March 31st, 2020, will receive a $25 credit to their Blizzard balance. And the amount of Blizzard balance credited to your account will be based on the original purchase price of the digital mount. So if you do purchase the mount, right now and you've already pre-ordered the collector's edition when you attach the collector's edition they'll give you $25 back on your blizzard balance which you can apply to whatever um that's okay I'm cool with that I'm cool with that um but yeah as far as Deathwing is concerned I don't know if I'd want to see him come back I really don't um Okay, but maybe we should move into talking about Rathion, since that's a thing for 8.2.5. Yeah, and, and we're not going to go too far into it, because this is kind of like spoiler territory, but... Just, um, you know, just so we gloss, know... Like, glossy overview. Also, Lore Watch is coming out on Monday, you guys, and you want... If you're interested in Rathion, you want to listen to this episode, because it was really good. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so in 8.2.5, as part of the ongoing Heart of Azeroth, uh, Chamber of the of the Heart, quest line with Magni and Mother and all them. Uh, Rathion's a part of it. I'm not going to say exactly what's going on, but apparently Caligos has been trying to keep tabs on Rathion. Hasn't really been pulling it off, but he's been trying, and we're given a quest that ultimately leads us across Azeroth to a lot of different locations. And at the end of it, we get more of a glimpse at how Rathion views the world now. Because we forget, Rathion was born on December 7th, uh, 2010. That's nine years ago in our time, in actual real time. I remember this because it was my birthday. So <laughs> Rathian and I share a birthday. Just so you know, Rathian and I, birthday buddies. Um, it, even though it hasn't been a year-for-year year progression, like we haven't had exactly nine years in in the world of, of Azeroth at the same time we've had nine years out here in the world, it has been long enough that he's gone from being like the little whelp that flew off angrily at the end of Mists of Pandaria He's been thinking about himself. He's been thinking about his the the his brood. He's been thinking about the world and what it's requiring of him and what and the he, future of it all. And the future. And there's a lot there in the text. Um which, you know, if you don't mind spoilers, I'd say hop onto the PTR. If you do mind spoilers, then wait impatiently until it comes out and you get to do it. But it's definitely interesting and it does show a maturing mind. Like he is not he's not who he was. It doesn't mean he's he's not completely changed. He hasn't suddenly become somebody else, but he's developed. He's grown. He's thought about what he tried to do and 
about what the world is doing now and he's he's makes he would make different decisions if he was in the same position and that's interesting to me because character growth is fairly rare in a, in a big game like this uh, it's hard for them to sometimes really get the nuance out so i'm very excited about it but plus i'm excited because rathion in 8.2.5 we've already they've already dropped some hints and i can talk about these hints because they dropped them in 8.2 doing the essences quests that Rathion's been watching a lot of locations, and one of the things he's been doing is looking for the Dragon Isles. Uh, the Dragon Isles, we don't know a lot about them. They they were originally in the original World of Warcraft. Design was going to have them up near Lordaeron. They were going to be a, a, a raid zone, actually. Yeah. And we don't know too much about them other than they're a place where dragons, you know, basically go to, to be dragons. Uh, they were like a, a dragon safe place. So what is he looking for them for? What does it have to do with anything? Um, we don't know, but it's interesting because it could be hinting a lot about what's coming up next and, and an increased dragon presence in the next expansion, which to my mind would be good. I don't know. But... And like I said, um, Lore Watch on Monday, is it's, it's a very good one that kind of dives more deeply into all of this stuff along with a lot of speculation on our part because we just tend to go off. But um, it's a slightly longer episode. I think it clocked in at like an hour and 22 minutes or something like that. But it's worth a listen. So, yeah. so um, Rathion also think- has a new model, by the way, that was data mined. You might have seen it. You might not have seen it. If you haven't might seen have it. to your fainting couch. If you haven't seen it, maybe you want to go look at it. It doesn't really say anything about anything. It's just a new model, but <gasps> he's all grown up. I'm so excited. Anyway, sorry. No, that's fine. Um, but we should um, move on to some other stuff. Uh, I think we should probably talk a little bit about Saviors of Oldham since it's out now. Um, that's the new Hearthstone expansion which is about it's interesting because the Hearthstone expansions have started carrying on from expansion to expansion they they almost have a story um i say almost because it's, it's a very it's kind of like what they story. were it's kind of like this the stuff that they said that they were going to do with Heroes of the Storm where they said that they were going to have like a they were going to try and play out a storyline over the course of the year Hearthstone has been doing this kind of subtly without saying hey we're going to do this they've just they've just kind of jumped into doing it which is actually pretty cool yeah um, the last expansion, uh, Dalaran got stolen by a cadre of evildoers. And in this expansion, they, they end up crashing it into Oldham. I, I'm not sure if crashing is the right word. They, they go to Oldham with Dalaran. And now the, the Explorers League, consisting of, you know, those, those various people that should actually already be in WoW, um, are now trying to stop them. So it's, it's about these evil villains in control of, of Dalaran over Oldham. While the saviors of Oldham, the the Explorers League, try it's and the League stop of Explorers. The Explorers Sorry, the League, League Explorers is the League. organization that's in Ironforge. The League of Explorers that would be uh, Reno Jackson, Sir Finley Mergleton, Brand Bronzebeard, and uh, oh my gosh, the night elf's name, Elise Starseeker. Sorry, yes. she's like the coolest, and <laughs> I almost forgot her name. So yeah, it, it's kind of like a continuation of that storyline, which is really interesting. Um, obviously, there's new cards. There's like a 130 new cards I think it is there's a new keyword that you're working with called reborn it's kind of similar to death rattle reborn minions they return to life with one health remaining when they die uh, there's a new style of cards called plagues they're powerful AOE spells unless you're rogue but um, I think priest shaman warrior and warlock all got plague cards uh, quests have returned so you've got like these one mana legendary spells that they define like an archetype for their particular class uh reno and highlander decks are returning they're cards that reward you for having no more than a single copy of each card in your deck um i i like i like the fact that it's either reno or highlander they call them highlander because it's you know the whole there can be only one right (laughs) Uh, there's a new lackey that's been added to the pool. Titanic lackey gives each minion plus two health and taunt, um, which is pretty interesting. Uh, you do get freebies. So if you log in within the next, next 90 days, you'll get a freebie quest card, that kind of thing. Um, the thing to note, though, Saviors of Oldham is coming out with a single player mode. But just like the last one, it's not coming out immediately. Um I don't think that they've given a release date for it as of yet, but 
probably September, late September, early somewhere in September. Um, but it's going to fill uh, follow like a similar dungeon run style thing as like the dollar and heist from the last edition, but there'll be some twists involved with that too. Um, they're not, they, they haven't said anything else about it, but the costs should probably be the same where each chapter or wing is going to be like 700 gold or $5. So you can go ahead and like start saving your gold now for when it comes out and that'll be great. But yeah, if you're looking for single player mode, not out yet, will be out eventually hold your horses it's good so yeah that's coming i think that was that started this week so it's already out tuesday talking yeah i think it came out on tuesday like launch on tuesday so it's already out there available for play make sure you log on to hearthstone if you want to claim your free card yeah also launching this week is the latest hero of the storm hero kira um q h i r a i say kira i'm sure there's other ways to pronounce it but she's another she's interesting because she's another original character um, like Orphea, she's she's unique to the Nexus. She's not uh, an established Blizzard character, um, and she's a interesting bounty hunter with kind of a sword slash whip combination and some pretty interesting powers. So if you have a chance, if you play Heroes, definitely go and check her out. Um, the video of her in play was really fascinating because she's just like a buzz saw. I think it's kind of interesting because I don't think that she was really on the PTR for all that long before they said, "Okay, we're putting her live." Like. They didn't do a whole heck of a lot of testing with her. Maybe she didn't need a whole lot of testing or anything. She was just... Well, I mean, what was it Mitch always used to say? The first couple of weeks of any hero's character, they're usually overpowered as heck, and then you know they get And then they get in. nerfed, yeah. But usually, I mean, typically I've seen them on the PTR for like a few weeks before they get added to the... And I think she was on there for what, like a week? If that, yeah. Maybe, maybe a couple of weeks. Maybe it was a couple of weeks. I don't know. Um, she's got a really cool set of abilities, though. And yeah, that glaive thing that she chucks around is really cool. I, I do think that, you know, her skins are really cool so far. Uh, I do love that weapon she's using. It looks really cool. I would love them to, to, to bring that model into WoW. It's just really, really pretty. Um, it's I like it. It's nice. So yeah, that's if you want to give her a shot, she's available now. Um, she's kind of an assassin character, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she's so an assassin. You can she's get flat there out just... there for dealing damage, and she does it very, very well. Um, the abilities that she's got, as far as like reeling people in or pulling herself to somebody with like the grappling hook, um, they make her really, really mobile and fun to play from what I've seen. People are really enjoying her and enjoying playing her. So, yeah, she's available in Heroes of the Storm. If you haven't seen her yet, go log on and go take a look, because she's she's real cool. Yeah. Um. Last thing we're going to mention really fast, uh, just with the 8.2.5 PTR up and down quite a bit, uh, we, we've gotten a chance to look at the new Worgen and Goblin models. And the Worgen, the Goblin models are nice. They, they look like goblins, but, you know, with a bit more they refine just, just them. A bit more. Yeah. Yeah. But the Worgen models are such an improvement, especially and I've been I've been hammering on this drum since they announced this. Female Worgen models are significantly improved. Uh not just their faces, their way they stand is better, their posture is better, their build is a little taller. They just they're nicer. They're they're an improvement. They they did neat things with the color markings too. So overall, yeah, very solid revamp for the for the Lady Worgen. Male Worgen looks still pretty much about the same. Not not tremendously changed, just more detail. But they were okay. You didn't really need anything. I have noticed so far, and I don't know if this is just a, a matter of sound syncing, but I haven't been hearing all the sniffling. When I've gone out to the PTR and I've played a Worgen, all the... <laughs> I have not been hearing it. And if, if that is just a mistake, Blizzard, consider continuing that mistake. Keep making that mistake because it's a good mistake. It makes them a lot more playable if I don't sound like I have a head cold the entire time. Like, seriously, playing a worgen is an exercise in, could somebody please get him some cough syrup or, or something, decongestant, something. That's not, you know, I'm around a dog all the time. Canines do not spend all their time going. <laughs> Just, it's good that you stop that and you should keep stopping that. The only minor, and it is minor, complaint that I have is that the hair isn't quite as refined as I would like it to look. Um, like the hairstyles, they they did they they have been kind of smoothed over a little bit, but they still look a little bit jagged and weird to me. Uh, the faces, though, the faces are absolutely like just startling how different they are. With the male worgen, it's 
I think the biggest change with the male worgen is that like the brows aren't so low, low pitched on them now. So it actually looks like they're looking forward when they're looking forward instead of they don't look like they're constantly glaring at everything. Um, and I kind of like that with the female worgen it. I don't really know how to describe it because honestly it, it was like such a startling difference and it's not. I mean, a little bit of it is the shape, but a lot of it is just the shading and the fur patterns. And, yeah, and they the, redesigned the, the actually, muzzle. Yeah. yeah, they redesigned the muzzle so that the mouth actually like closes, um, which is important. <laughs> I'm glad they don't have the perma snarl anymore. But they also refine the eyes and the way that the eyes look, so they don't look. It it doesn't look like Lady and the Tramp only werewolf style. It looks it looks a lot better. I just, I like the way that they look. And the goblins, I mean, I know we're talking about the worgen a lot, you guys, but that's because the worgen probably had, and I hate saying it, but they had some of the worst models. <laughs> when they were revamping everything before Warlords of Draenor, everybody was kind of hoping that the wargens would make that, the worgen would make that list just because, despite the fact that they just came out in Cataclysm, the models weren't exactly great. Worgen um, needed the help. Morgan they they really, really needed, needed the help. help. And when the goblins came out, they were already a step up from the in-game in NPC models that we already had. They were a marked improvement from that. So yeah. it wasn't quite as huge of a deal. Um, I mean, goblins absolutely do look better. They do. Like they do. Is, they, yeah. Like, their faces are a lot more animated now, and they actually, like, they can do the expressions and things like that. So they look, I mean, they do have, like, a full-on revamp, don't get me wrong. They look great and everything. It's just not quite as startling as the Worgen, because the Worgen, they they really got worked over. Yeah. To their when benefit. You were, when you were old and busted the first time, and you get lifted up this much, it's much more noticeable than you were in a really nice car and now you're still in a really nice car. It's like, but you were already nice. It looks fine. It's just, this is a, if they're both around 9.5, they previously, the goblins were at eight and the warden were like at a four. I kind of, like, I kind of wish, um, just a little, I think that the female Pandaren look great and I love their faces and I think they're very expressive and everything. I feel like the male Pandaren could use like just a little bit of a touch up. Just a little well, one. Doesn't need anything drastic. Just a little one. Maybe when Blizzard is putting playable Furbolg into the game, they can <laughs> revamp Pandaren too. Yeah. They're not going to do that. I, like I said, I, the female Pandaren, I love their faces and the squash and stretch and everything works really well for them. For the male Pandaren, I don't feel like they have as much of an expressive set of features and I feel like they could use a little bit of tweaking. Nothing nothing super major or anything, just like a little bit of tweaking. Anyway, so yeah, this is 8.2.5. That's when these guys are going to come out. So if you are a Worgen player, uh, you might want to hit the PTR just to see what your Worgen's going to look like. It's yeah, going to look different. It's going to be a you, very different adjustment to get used to. If you, don't, if you don't have a Worgen, you can make one on the PTR when it's up. And you can get a chance to look at all the various... One of the things I do want to mention before we move on is they've added scars in. Like, your worgen can actually have facial scars. And they look good. Yeah. They don't seem to be on the human model. Um, and it's interesting because I, I did test this out. Your human form, as of at least as of the PTR, and it might be the case in live too, your human form is considered a shapeshift. Uh, when you try getting into the like barber chair as a human, it won't let you. It will straight up tell you you're, you know, can't do that while you're shapeshifted. So the human forms are lagging behind a little bit in terms of the customization and stuff. Not that they look bad because they've been using the new human model for Worgen for a while, but like stuff like the facial scars and the hair and stuff doesn't translate very well to the to the human model of your Worgen. It's and one of those something... things where if you go into character creation, if you change the fur and everything on your Worgen, you'll see the human like back behind them and you'll see how the human model shifts. You don't necessarily see that in the barber chair. I kind of wish that they'd make that work with they, the barber they put chair. The, they do put the face of the, of the human up, but it's in a really small window. Yeah. And it's really hard to see. That is the one thing that I would like them to work on is to smooth out the the, the contrast between those two and make it so you know what you're doing to both of them when you do it. But all right, I guess that's that's pretty much news. I and mean, I guess it's time to do at least a couple emails. Or in this case, we actually got a lot of, of Discord comments this week. So I should make a sure to shout out to you. thank you guys. If you leave a comment in our, our Q and podcast channel on our Discord server, that's absolutely great. We love getting them there too. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where we got most of these from. If you want to send an email, though, if you like doing it the old-fashioned way, we love those too. So please send an email to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. If you use Discord instead, just tell us which one you want. Just put it like, you know, this is for Lower Watch, this is for Blizzard Watch, so we know. that. But that's that's we love getting them either place, so feel free to, to use either one. Then I guess now Anne's going to read them because that's what we do. Okay. I was just waiting for you to say that. <laughs> I realized that when I didn't say anything and it didn't happen. I'm like, ah, dang, I forgot. It's okay. I was like, is he going to say it? Or if I start talking, is he going to start talking? I don't know what's going on. Okay. Anyway, uh, regardless, let's go ahead and jump in here. I'm actually going to jump down to Paul because uh, this is an interesting question. And I figured maybe this is something you want to dig into. Uh, Paul says, hello, Sentinels of Sleet. I'm Paul, and I have a question about the Diablo setting, which is why I said you'd get into it, Rossi. When I played Diablo 2, at the end of the game, Tyrael blew up the World Stone. Spoilers, people. If you don't know by now, that's what happens. Okay, in Diablo 3, when I go to area, it's a big hole in the ground full of demons. Have there been demons pouring out of that hole for the entire time between games? How long ago was Diablo 2 by the time you start Diablo 3? That's a lot of demons. Thanks, and sorry I don't have a funny name. I love the show. It's okay, Paul. You don't need a funny name. We're good. Rossi, please let us know. Okay, um... The amount of time was indeterminate before they announced Diablo Immortal, but then they they basically came out and said it's been 20 years. They, yeah, they put a time on it at that yeah. point. There's 20 years between the end of Diablo 2 and the beginning of Diablo 3. Um, to answer your question, yes, there have been demons pouring out of that hole for 20 years. Um, however, there are a lot more demons pouring out of the hole right now because Asmodon has started an invasion of Sanctuary via the the hole in Ariat Crater. Before that, though, um, we're going to learn more about it during uh, Diablo Immortal, which is set five years after the Worldstone got destroyed. But basically, when the Worldstone got blown up, fragments of it rained across the whole world. And those fragments attract demons like catnip because they contain slivers of the Worldstone's power, which is now corrupted because Baal corrupted the Worldstone. That's why Tyrael had to destroy it. Um, So... Yeah, there have been demons coming out. At some point between now and Diablo 2, at some point in that 20 years, there was a demonic invasion led by one of Diablo's agents who were seeking to collect all the Worldstone fragments for their own use. And the heroes of, of Diablo Immortal presumably stopped it from happening, which slowed down the uh, rate of demons until fairly recently. But yeah, they've been coming out of that hole ever since it got blown up. That's why... The, the, the keep that you go to in, in Diablo 3, um, originally that keep was to stop the barbarians. And they, the barbarians weren't originally a threat, but Westmarch decided it was going to invade and conquer them because it wanted the, the, the original king of Westmarch, uh, Rockus, wanted to get to the Worldstone. And in fact, everything he did was a pretext to get to the Worldstone because he wanted to become like a Nephilim. He failed. And... The, the barbarians, the, the children of Bulkathos, got so mad at him for even trying it that they started attacking down at him. And he yeah. needed to build that keep to defend his, his kingdom from them. That was the status quo for, you know, hundreds of years until Diablo, I mean, until Baal corrupted the Worldstone and Tyrael blew it up. Um, with that, the barbarian nation effectively fell. Um, there's a lot of, there's still some barbarians up there, but the whole place is just wrecked. Sesheron is destroyed. And Ariat Crater is this just seething hole of corruption where demons keep coming out. But the entire world isn't corrupted, so Tyrael did save Sanctuary from becoming basically a giant demon snack pack. Uh, in terms of, yeah, for 20 years now, there's been a hole in, in the world where demons come out. That has been the case. Yep. That is a lot of demons. You're right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to go to, let's see here. We'll go to Wonderbolt. Wonderbolt asked, uh, will Classic WoW have a simultaneous worldwide launch like Battle for Azeroth, or will it depend on which region you're in? Um, Yes and no. It's going to be kind of a simultaneous launch, but obviously that time is different for everybody depending on your time zone. It's going to launch at 3 p.m. on August 26th, and that's Pacific Standard Time for the Americas. Um, In Europe, that's going to equate to... Uh, 12 a.m. on August 27th in Taiwan it's going to be 6 a.m. August 27th in Korea it's going to be 7 a.m. August 27th 
uh, in is it Australia, New Zealand? I think it's Australia, New Zealand. It's 8 a.m. on the 27th. And then just UTC is going to be, it's 10 p.m. on August 26th. So it's going to launch at the same time, but just due to time zones, it's going to look different to everybody. Um, so you just want to like check and make sure what time that's going to be in your area just look up 3 p.m pacific on august 26 and see what that equates to to your time zone that's when they're going to flip the switch as far as i know anything to add oh that you've got it that's okay it's very similar to how they do diablo seasons yeah or or the last the last expansion launches that they've been doing the last couple or they just launch it all around the world at the same time and you know, it's, it's different for it's, you because you're in a different part of the world. Yeah, it's all launching at the same time. It It's just the, that time is determined by when they flip the switch Pacific U.S. time because that's where Blizzard is located. That's all. Um, and as far as creating your character goes, the, cre- the character creation thing, I'm wondering, I, I'm going to guess that that's probably different for every time zone too. Yeah, I know that the, the name thing is this the, on the 12th, but I don't know if they're opening it early for let people create their characters. I thought they were to some degree, but I don't actually know that. Well, I thought that right they were going to let people like create their characters in advance so that they could go ahead and reserve the names. And I'm assuming that if they're going to do that, they're going to flip the switch and let people do that at the same time, again, based on Pacific time, that you'll be able to log on and do it. I'm assuming. Yeah, that seems to be, yeah. When I'm fine, I just found three articles that all seem to agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, that'll that'll all be um that'll be August twelfth. So you'll be able to make a character. You just won't be able to play it until the, the actual launch date. They've kind of made like a concerted effort to keep it so that everybody gets the same thing at the same time. And yeah, those hours are going to look vastly different because you know, I mean, three p.m. in in Pacific Standard Time. That's going to be like super crazy early if you're over in Taiwan. That's like 6 a.m. But it's okay because they're they're it's the same time. They're giving everybody access at the exact same time, so nobody's going to get a head start or anything. It's just go ahead and make plans to get online once that switch is flipped. Um, I kind of it's it's a little bit it kind of stinks a little bit for like the other side of the world because again that is like ridiculously early in the morning but at the same time that just means that you're going to get in there at the same time the americans are so if you want to do any racing or anything with anybody across the world everybody starts at the same starting point and i appreciate that i think that's pretty good okay so uh do we have time for one more question yeah, we started a little late. I'd say eh, we could do one more. We'll do one more question. Uh, this one is from Tatsumi, who says, Question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. What if, instead of a level squish, they replace levels with milestone advancement borrowed from, like, Dungeons & Dragons? Just repurpose the achievement system for character advancement. You gain certain skills or unlock dungeons, etc. when you hit the advancement milestones, etc. You keep item level as character power, but I think it would really open up the game and solve the current leveling system squish that's coming. What do you think about that, Rossi? I hate milestone advancement for D&D. Oh, really? I hate it. Okay. I hate it because what it ends up doing is it puts all the work on the DM and makes it really hard for you as a player to know when you've done enough to actually level. And I don't like the idea of making achievements anything other than purely optional. So repurposing the achievement system is absolutely not something I want to see. I want achievements to always be something that if I do them, great. If I don't do them, great. Doesn't matter. It's as a little it bonus is, thing that you yeah. could do and chase down and hunt down as like extra yeah. stuff, but it doesn't actually I, affect the game. I remember back in in Wrath in particular, when everybody wanted to do the achievements in Ice Crown Citadel, which were the worst achievements anyone has ever concocted. The one with Lich King where you had to pass the stupid thing around and you had to do it just right. And if you didn't do it right, you had to jump off the thing and reset it. Okay, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I I wanted to just kill him and be done. Yeah. But, uh, you know... In, in group activities like that, anything that involves an achievement system of that re- report and anyone wants to do it, you're now stuck. And you don't want to be the guy who's like, look, I'm, I'm not up. One time I actually did straight up when, when the other tanks didn't show up and we had two off tanks doing it. And I was like, no, we're not doing it. We're going to kill him and go home because I am the only tank here who's even done the fight. I, we are not wiping 20 times as people who've never done the tanking role try to learn how to do this. It's not happening. We're just killing him. 
and and afterwards the guild master like are you okay man i was like yeah you keep wanting to do this achievement with the wrong people it's it's driving me crazy no so, and, and I'm a I'm an affable person. People don't realize this. I'm an affable person in a race. You have like the longest fuse. <laughs> like you yeah. seriously, you have like the longest. Nothing gets you upset. <laughs> yeah, we, we were doing like in Cataclysm. She she and I were in the same guild. We were doing Spina Deathwing with all those bloods. I didn't get upset once. You were so composed so, through the whole thing. So think about. Think about how freaked out I had to be to finally lose it and say no to a raid. And that's that's how that achievement system got me. So I don't like the idea of repurposing the achievement system. And I don't like the idea of skills unlocking dungeons and so forth when you hit the advancement milestones. Especially since I don't know what they would be. Like, you know, are they transparent enough that everybody knows what they are? Then you've basically just okay. created a leveling system. I was going to say... What if instead of basing it like on experience or something like that, you would base it on like storylines completed? So like with the war campaign, you know how the war campaign, you kind of progress through it and things happen. What if the leveling system was like that, where it's like you make it through this major storyline and you get a little bonus thing for your character or whatever at the end of that storyline. The only problem that I see with that, though, is that people that like to like to level through alternate methods like people that like to level through pvp there are people who like to do that there are people out there right now who are leveling through island expeditions more power to them do i want to do it no but is it cool that they have that option to go that route yeah and if you switched over to this kind of a system it does sound cool to me but that's because i like playing through storylines i think they're really cool i am not everybody <laughs> yeah, and there I, are I, other people out there who would rather you know, do it some other way. I, I definitely think that it, that it could be cool if you made stuff like that more integral to leveling. I absolutely do think that. But everything Ann just said about people who want to play different ways, that's true, too. You there kind of be stripping really, the versatility from how, you, you know, you can people, pick how you want to level. There are people who are seriously perfectly happy to level by doing crafting and, and gathering. And especially gathering, because that's where the experience points really come from. There are people who have straight up leveled to max level just doing that. And is it slower? <laughs> yep. Neutral agent. <laughs> Would I ever do it myself? Nope. But they like it. Why take that from them? That I get the idea. Like The thing about experience points and leveling and leveling squishes is it all comes down to the, the fear of numbers. When you come down to it, it's all about people not wanting to think about super big numbers. And that's that's what level the, the level squish taking it down from 120 to say 60 or whatever it ends up being taken down to. It's because it is easier to spread out when you get what you get with less levels than it is to have, say, 130 levels worth of like, do, are we going to give you a new power or a new level, a new rank in every skill? every level there's 130 of them you'll be it'll it'll blow it out ridiculously or do we make it so you have to wait 5 15 levels before you get a new talent then a level doesn't feel powerful anymore and here's, that's what it comes down to here's the thing when you log in as a player who has hit max level and you see that you have hit level 120 you go woo that was a long grind but i made it and i'm super powerful and i know i'm super powerful because i have that really big huge number right there when you are a brand new player opening the game to play it first for the first time and you ding level one and then you realize that you have 119 more of those to go before you hit max level that's intimidating and it's almost enough to turn people off playing altogether because it looks like something that's almost like unobtainable at that point so when Rossi's talking about like a fear of numbers and that kind of thing, that's kind of what it's going towards. Because if you, mm -hmm. if if you have a big number, you feel like you're really accomplished. If you get a crit and that crit is in the millions, you're like, wow, I am a tiny god. But the thing is, on the other hand, when you look at big numbers like that and go, I have to get there, and I'm starting I from zero. Yeah, guys, I've been playing World of Warcraft for a long time. Yeah. And I I now find myself in a place where I get my characters. Like, I start, like I've been starting allied race characters at, at level 20 because that's where they start. And I've been leveling. I keep having the hardest time getting through 80 to 90. 
And there's a lot of reasons for it. But part of it is just the realization is like, oh, I've been playing for like, you know, three weeks and I'm at level 89. Uh, I still have to get to level 99 and then level 109. And then when level 119, and I you, still won't be done. You burn level... out at some point. There's yeah. some point where that number is just so large that you feel like it's going to take forever. Even though, logistically speaking, leveling to yeah. 120 in three weeks, that's crazy. Because I remember when leveling to, like, 20 was in the original it game, me. it took forever. Yeah. And getting to 40 so you could get your mount... Oh, you you get to 40 with your mount and you'd stop leveling for a while because you needed to make money to buy training to just wear the gear that you could wear at level 40. Not even thinking about your mount yet, because forget that. That was going to take you forever. You're going to be level 50 before you got that mount. Yeah. And but the num the thing is, it's this is psychological. But, but it wasn't this the numbers a, that were really no. intimidating or anything. It was just no. it took a while, you know. The thing with it, like the, the thing I'm talking about now with like level 120 and squishing is level 120. It's it's a psychological thing. It it doesn't feel bad when you're just leveling 10 levels because you were max level and you're just going to new max level. But when you're leveling a new character, even if they actually make it so it doesn't take you all that long to do it, it feels like it takes forever. It feels insurmountable, and I think that's part of the reason. It's a combination of them wanting to address that, them wanting to address the way talents work now where you can go 15 levels before you get one and that doesn't feel very good. You want, you want dinging a level to feel important. Honestly, I think it would have been better for world of Warcraft. If the original game had had 20 levels, if they put everything they wanted yeah. to do in those 20 levels. But I mean, and, how long did they think the game was realistically going to last at that point? Apparently they thought it was going to last for 60 levels and, yeah. and they were right. And uh, they figured you know, that that was, they figured Oh, 60, that's a, that's a good, that's a good chunk of number. People will be really satisfied with that. And then the expansion started rolling out. Well, actually, then launch day happened and they realized how many people were going to be playing this game. A lot of the stuff that we started out with in World of Warcraft, that game was built with the idea that they didn't really know how well it was going to do. Like Maybe they had kind of, they had yeah. kind of lofty expectations. But what happened when that game came out? It blew all of those expectations completely out of the water in the first like twenty four forty eight hours. They and... were saying stuff like, "We're going to be able to rival EverQuest someday and have we'll, we'll have as many players as they do in our first year." And everyone thought, "You're insane!" You're, they did it in EverQuest a week. Is the, yeah, they did yeah, it. In they a blew week. it up in a week. So the game was designed blind because no one had ever done a game like it before. It took the stuff that had preceded it and it went in a completely new direction with it. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to, to be angry at them for any of this. It's just what the consequences, what happened. But I do think if they don't do something with leveling in this expansion to come, they're absolutely going to do it in the next one because it's been the big problem that they've been talking about since Mists of Pandaria. They have been talking about leveling and leveling being messed up since Mists of Pandaria. And they've tried everything. Yeah, because that's when they they were brushing real close on that 100 mark. And everybody figured, well, when they hit 100, I mean, that's probably going to be the end of the game right there. Nope. It's still going. Still making money. They've still got plenty of subscribers. It's still chugging right along. So they got to figure out how to compensate for it. And this is the sort of thing that they really didn't think about when they were designing the game 15 years ago. No one designs a game thinking, what what are we going to do in 15 years? No. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's like, it's a good problem to have. It's not a problem you expect to have. The fact that it's been 15 years is extraordinary at this point. (laughs) You know, Um, the thing is, is like, I... Do I like the idea of milestone advancement? Yeah, I think that's kind of cool because honestly, it would take all of the numbers out of the equation and you wouldn't have to think about, oh, well, level 120 looks really intimidating or whatever. It's just that if you did that, it would strip a lot of that choice, the power of choice from the players because if you tie it to something like playing through a storyline well then everybody's going to have to play through that storyline whether they like playing through storylines or not and not everybody's okay with it i'm okay with it rossi's okay with it but that's because we're nuts about lore yeah if you tied it if you tied it to pvp where it's like 
oh well you know if you advance to a certain if you if you do like a certain number of matches in pvp all of a sudden you'll get a milestone thing well that's great for people that love pvp but for people like me who aren't necessarily as jazzed by the idea that would turn me off the game entirely you know so it's like Either you do a milestone advancement system where there are a bunch of different milestones that will reward the exact same thing so you have that spectrum of choice or you do the whole level squish thing that's coming and try and manage it as much as you can, you know. And I think that the level squish thing, yeah, I think the level squish thing is honestly like way easier than trying to rip the idea of leveling and numbers out of it entirely. Yeah, like I mean, if they'd started this game all those years back with a, you know, with a with a milestone system where you did that kind of thing, and you you would definitely need to have something where it's like, you know, you can quest or you can do dungeons or you can PvP, and they all have reward their own milestones that will get you to where you need to go. Then it would work, and you could do it. I don't think you can. And I, I mean, I'm looking at it now and thinking of ways you could make it work. But it, you are talking about at this point ripping out a 15 year old system that has worked. For 15 years. I mean, it's got its flaws, but it's it not just that it's years. worked for 15 years. It's that players have gotten used to that system for it's 15 everywhere. years. It's ingrained at this point. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I am, my response to it is negative, but it's not a terrible idea. I just think the implementation, the implementation would be too much. That's my statement. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to wrap us up for emails though. We should probably go ahead and wrap up the show here. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. We're, we're getting there. Okay. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Again, guys, if you want to ask a question for the show, which we love when you do that, you can do it through our Discord server. There's a queue and podcast channel there for you guys, especially patrons. Um, and there's the email, which we you know, give out every week, uh, you know, podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch. Either will work. This week we use both, and we really love to hear about any game, uh, any subject you want to talk about. That would be just great. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, as always, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be here next week. 